0: Welcome to Adventure Rider Radio Raw, a roundtable-style spin-off from Adventure Rider Radio that we do each month about motorcycle travel. And on this episode, episode 61, To Wash or Not to Wash, Keeping Clean on the Road, all that and more coming up. This episode is supported by Fresh Tracks, facilitating adventurous conversations, freshtracks.co.uk. Now, before we get going, I want to give a shout-out to some people that helped the show incredibly this past month with $50 or more. Brian Deer, Eric Ross... Emmaus Moto Tours. Thank you all very much. It's so great to have people that appreciate what we're doing and support the show. Now, anything $50 or more gets you a shout out here on the Raw Show, just like you heard me do now, but you can send as, as little as you want. $10 or more gets you stickers sent at you, or you can become a, uh, member, of, a member of our patron account, which uh, means you support us monthly. We'd love if you would consider that. Drop by Adventureriderradio.com and click on support. Now, coming up, we are starting with posing the question, are you a traveler that rides a a bike or are you a motorcyclist that travels then we're going to dig into the dirty stuff to wash or not to wash keeping clean on the road here we go with arr raw for february 2020 well you ready to go anyone sure. not ready to go oh. and here we go Peace. I heard that. (laughs) Recorded live from the Canoe West Media Studio, this is Adventure Rider Radio Raw, roundtable discussions about motorcycles, travel, and anything else that crosses our mind, completely unscripted, raw, and personal. My name is Jim Martin, and today, the virtual roundtable afforded through the magic of the internet, I am joined by my regular, esteemed Overland co-host. I'm going to start with Sam Manicom, who is in the UK. Hello, Sam.
1: Hey, top of the day, everybody. Did you get that? I actually managed not to say top of the evening for a change.
0: (laughs) So you, you're you're almost in summer with the UK. You got to be just you know chomping at the bit to get out there and get on the bike.
1: Oh yeah, too right. <laughs> Actually, tonight is one of those winter nights that I really really like. So here comes the extra weather forecast. Um, we have got a crisp night out you know one of those winter nights where the sky is clear and it's minus temperatures and you go out for a walk and just everything's crunchy and it's just fantastic the rest of the UK much of it is in snow at the moment and that's pretty unusual um, but it's not as good as you guys because I had a look before we came on to record you've got minus five haven't you
0: yeah, it's where? it's it's warmed up to minus 5 where we are and it um it last night I think it was minus 19 or 20 or something like
1: that. Really? It's Whoa. pretty chilly. Uh, no, yeah. I'm going to stay next to thanks. You guys can keep that. Yeah.
2: Saskatchewan <laughs> is hitting minus 48. Ooh.
0: Yeah, that's chilly. Um, well, yeah. we'll also uh, bring in uh, Michelle Lampfair. Michelle, hello.
3: Good morning or and afternoon lo- or evening wherever you are.
0: Wherever it is. <laughs> um and 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 you're located where again?
3: Um, I'm in Custer, South Dakota normally, but I've escaped that uh, cold blast that's coming through and I'm calling in from Arizona.
0: Wow. and its Is it really hot?
3: No, it is about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's very comfortable. It's short sleeve weather, as I would call it when I'm in South Dakota, um, but not enough to go lay by a beach quite yet.
0: Right. Shirley Hardy Ricks and Brian Ricks are in Australia. Good morning. Good.
4: Good morning. Good morning, and uh, it's going to be thirty-one degrees Celsius here today, and that's uh, double it and add 30, 90, <coughs> 90 something Thank- in Fahrenheit. Thank you, Shirley.
5: Well, yeah, I don't know what you got. You live in minus? God, help us. I've been riding um the mountains, uh, fourteen hundred kilometres round twisty roads with some mates over two days over the mountains, and the, the lowest temperature I think we got to was. Oh, 23 degrees centigrade. Um, Perfect. uh, Perfect weather, perfect road. Scratch the tyres up which I only put on, so I need a new set now. So anyway, had it's, a great time on the bike.
4: It has come to this that he came back, put a post on Facebook, and that's how I found out he needed to buy new tires. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, we might have to dig into that later.
6: Right.
4: Grant Johnson
0: uh, uh. is in British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Grant. Hello.
2: How's everybody doing? We're doing okay here, just enjoying a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. And trying to not think about the minus 14 that's forecast for Vancouver. I know people that uh, haven't been to Canada think sometimes that all of Canada is in the deep freeze and it's frozen and it's snowing everywhere. Well, Vancouver is also known as Lotus Land, and it's supposed to be not this cold. We're talking record lows here. We're looking forward to getting out of the deep freeze soon.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is very cold for Vancouver. A lot of people are going to feel that who are used to slopping around in plus degrees.
1: Yeah. Grant, can My, I ask you a question? Um, uh, what sort of temperatures are you getting in the Okanagan at the moment? Because that's a fair bit warmer, isn't it, than Vancouver?
2: Oh, no. No, the Okanagan is both colder and warmer. Vancouver is templado. It's kind of in the middle. Right. Um, lots of... Van- uh, 150 miles from here, it's easily normally below freezing for the, during the winter. The Okanagan will get minus 10. Not too bad. It doesn't get too terribly cold, but minus 10 is not at all unusual, but they'll also get 35 in the summer. So quite a range, quite a bit warmer. Vancouver, 30 degrees is a massive, huge heat wave. People are dying in the streets.
5: Big difference. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm tra- somebody to react I'm, to that
5: I've been out working on a tractor when it's been 50
0: degrees you guys oh, nope. <laughs> I was going to say all you get is Brian laughing in the background <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bunch of wishes here I mean the average Vancouverite right,
2: does not have air conditioning you know, Why, that, why yeah. the, you Why you, air you conditioning people don't, don't do
4: hot well no yeah. not at all <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do somewhere in between very well We've got a, a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, the first one being: uh, Do you see yourself? I, I, I like this question, and I think you know. I, I think Sam, you and I have talked a bit about this in the past, um, but this is an interesting one to, to see where everyone sits because it kind of it. The, this the answer to this question will, will sort of paint the picture of what you really like as a, as a traveler. Do you see the question is: Do you see yourself as a motorcyclist who travels or a traveler? Who rides a motorcycle. Now, the interesting thing to note here is somebody that we all know of is Ted Simon, who uh, did his trip and uh, on the motorcycle and is so famous for it. Yet, Ted was Ted actually says he's he's a traveler, and the motorcycle. The reason he rode the motorcycle on that trip was just because it was something different. He wasn't this diehard motorcyclist. So, Michelle, I'm going to start with you since you proposed this this question. <laughs> Where do you fit in this?
3: Oh, me personally. Um, I, I definitely would call myself a traveler. I had traveled um, to maybe two dozen countries before I ever even got back on a motorcycle. I'd ridden them in high school, but hadn't ridden for 20 or 30 years. And for my 30th birthday, decided to go back and get my learner's permit and get a bike and start riding again. But in the meantime, I'd traveled lots. And so it was a very separate kind of interest for me. Um, so yeah, for me personally, I think that uh, I'm more of a traveler and I think, I think in terms of people being on sort of a, uh, a scale, one end of the scale being very intensely a motorcyclist and the other one maybe being very intently a traveler. And I think most people that we see out on the road fall somewhere in between. They're a combination of the two.
0: So did the motorcycle for you, was that just a means of transportation to begin with?
3: Um, It was. And it actually kind of more a hobby. I know that's going to sound maybe strange to some people, but I grew up in Sturgis. I was born and raised in Sturgis, South Dakota. So home to the big Harley Davidson rally. And my first motorcycle that I owned was a Harley. So I would go out on weekend rides or evening rides after work and just maybe put, you know, 50 to a hundred miles on in an evening and just go for a nice cruise and then go back and, and, um, go home for the evening. So I didn't actually travel. I didn't really even think in terms of doing overnight trips or extended travel and really can't remember how many years I rode before I ever even crossed a state line, which is funny to think of now that I've done some traveling internationally. But for a long time, for a number of years, I just rode inside my own state.
0: Yeah, but by the sounds of it, you you did enjoy riding your Harley, so that was sort of like a separate thing to you. You didn't mix the two. That is really what it was. You you had the the love for the motorcycle and the love for travel, but you weren't mixing them
3: very very much. That's exactly what it was. I I saw saw them very separately, but loved them both.
0: So now that you mix them, are, are they inseparable?
3: For me, yes, absolutely. And, and so now I see travel differently. I used to save up my two weeks of vacation from um, work and, and plan a, a trip. I'd fly in someplace to a destination somewhere overseas and plan that two weeks, pack it full of activities, go and see all of the, uh, you know, World Heritage sites and go and see restaurants and, um, you know, plan out whether I was backpacking or taking a train or renting a car. So I'd fly in someplace, do everything I could for two weeks and then fly home and just really kind of compartmentalized that travel activity and then did the same with motorcycling, just limited that to weekends and evenings. And now that they've mixed, I see travel completely differently. And I I, re, I don't know that I've taken a trip. There have been a handful, um, but not in the same way. I travel either to an event or to friends um, that are, I'm associated with through motorcycling, or I travel by motorcycle because I I like to see the world differently, and I enjoy the journey on the motorcycle as much or more so as the destination when I get there.
0: So now these two things have mixed. These two things that you like together, do they, they are they equal to greater amount than the the sum of the parts?
3: I think so. Yeah, for me, there's definitely a synergy that's achieved by by traveling by motorcycle. And, and again, it's the difference, you know, I, I know we've probably all heard the analogy that, you know, traveling even in a car is like watching a movie and riding a motorcycle is like being in the movie and being part of it. And there's no question, the the travel experience riding the motorcycle is, is definitely above and beyond what you can imagine by another means of travel.
0: Well, surely, now I, I'm curious, your view on this, because you're riding on the back with Brian. So that sort of gives you the idea that it's it's Brian's love, the, the motorcycle. Where do you sit on this? A motorcyclist who travels or a traveler who happens to ride on the back of a motorcycle? Because it's I'd a good
4: idea. Yeah, well, I'm the <laughs> traveler who takes the free ride. Um, <laughs> but um like Michelle, Brian and I did an enormous amount of traveling before we started travelling overseas on the bike. I mean, we've always ridden a lot around Australia together, but we'd um, travelled by train and bus and, you know, hire car in, in Europe um, and uh, and the US before we did motorcycle trips. And I would go back to travelling any form of transport. Uh, uh, for me um in, 19, in 2018, when we went to France, our bike was late getting there. So we ended up having to hire a car to drive around the areas of France we were visiting. And as it turned out, it was the best thing because there was a huge heat wave and we wouldn't have done anywhere near as much sightseeing um, if we'd been in motorcycle gear, getting on and off the bike lugging around all their heavy helmets and jackets and things whereas being in a car with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on yeah. and getting back into the air conditioned we were able to to do a bit more but it's a very different it's a very different trip traveling on a motorcycle is special but there are times when perhaps another vehicle is better the desert for example mm-hmm. In Australia, but
5: that trip on that in that hike only created an international
4: incident. Shirley. Yes, but that's your fault because of what you did. But we won't. That's- <laughs> well, you've got to tell us now. I mean- <laughs> All I can say, Jim, is what happened in France stays in oh. France.
5: <laughs> oh, the statute of limitations won't sort expire, of expired.
4: <laughs>
6: <right>.
0: <laughs> really, you've done something that terrible because I think we learned something else. You did. It was I think before you went to the the police academy. But uh, now we got to hear this, Brian. Come on, spit it out.
5: Yeah. Oh oh, oh dear. We were
4: visiting the largest First World War cemetery um, in France. And it was uh, where all the French heroes were buried. And it's a very important place in their history. And Brian parked the hire car. And we got out. And I shut my door and turned around to check, yeah, locked it, turned around to make sure it was locked to see it drifting down the embankment towards the cemetery.
5: Oh, towards all no. these gravestones.
4: And it's gone no. into the 100-year-old rose bush that was uh, separating the car park from the cemetery and luckily wedged in there. And can I say my first thought was, oh, Christ, I'm glad I wasn't driving the car. <laughs> if wow, it had been throw me, him under it, the bus it, it would, If it had been me it would have been the worst thing that ever happened and I would have been a complete oh. and utter idiot but because it was Brian it was just one of those things that sometimes happens <laughs> That's not true How can you get out of a
0: vehicle and leave it in neutral, Brian?
5: Uh, and a no parking brake Exactly oh, I just did, I don't know
4: It's something we laugh about now but at the time all you could think of was there were all these tourists and guides being given special tours and you can imagine what they would have thought if these crazy Australians in their hire car had appeared in the middle of the cemetery ploughing through all these graves. <laughs> so <laughs> close. Did,
0: did anyone witness this other than you two?
4: I don't believe so. But we oh, were pulling bits bad. of shrub out of the front of the car. <laughs> <laughs> they <with ice. laughs> <laughs> They would have see where we'd been, that's for sure.
0: Well, yeah, so, is Brian sure. is is now jumping back to our question here, Brian. For you, is the reason you ride a motorcycle because it does less damage in situations like that? <laughs> <laughs> one, <Good morning>, Jim.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think that's right, Jim. That's exactly right. <laughs> I can only hurt myself. <laughs> no, look, seriously, I, I'm I'm a motorcyclist before anything else. I mean, I I was riding bikes. Oh God, probably back from the. 10 years of age, bought my first one at 12. Um, And, you know, when you're supposed to go to school and study and all that sort of stuff, well, uh, myself and my mates, we would um, uh, pack a a roll bag on our um, little um, scramble um, trail bikes and head off into the bush for the weekend, camp up somewhere and uh, turn around and come home. And and uh, studiously tell our teacher on Monday that we'd done our homework, which we hadn't done. Um, that's that's That was our life. And, you know, I, I, I never owned a car. and only always had a motorbike. And um, uh, when I joined the police force, I was a typical biker. Yeah, I had the, you know, the old grey um, uh, army um, greatcoats that I used to have, flying boots, long hair, beard, um, and travelled everywhere on a bike. Um and got cleaned up uh, the and I had a haircut the day before I walked into the police academy. So, <laughs> so um, it changed my life, I suppose. But since then, I've always, always had a motorbike and um, always loved travelling on the bike. But I've got to say, um, there are times when um, travelling in a car is a good thing. And I'll, I'll cite two people who are world travellers on motorbikes, uh, Chris and Erin Rattay. Chris and Aaron uh, travelled around the world on their two bikes, professional people from New York, and uh, we met them in Australia. They have uh, now got a um, travel Land Rover, which is all kitted out, and they're currently travelling through yeah. Turkey, I think, at the moment. That's right. Yeah, uh, in, their, in their Land Rover. So, and, and, and I sort of get the convenience sometimes they've got their dog with them and all that sort of stuff. But they're confirmed travellers, um, but they still love grinding motorcycles. So I don't know whether you morph into that. I'm not at that stage yet. Um, I still love travelling on the bike, um, but there's occasions where you know if you want to go into the outback in Australia, where it's it's virtually impossible to get to some places on a bike, then you're better off in a four wheel drive, which we we've got. So um, I I see it as two different things in in a way, and. I like Michelle's comments about when you mix them together, it is another, and it's, it's basically another aspect. It's um, it, it joins the two, and as she'll say, we've travelled Australia on the bike, um, packed up and uh, travelled from the length and breadth of Australia, and loved it. Um, so yeah, either way, for me, doesn't really Brian, matter. How
0: did you convince Shirley that um, riding on the back of the motorcycle would be a great way to travel when you've already traveled before this extensively without a motorcycle?
5: Um, we started, um, th- there was a world superbike run down at Phillip Island. We were living in Melbourne. And I said to Shirley, let's jump on the bike and go down. It was a beautiful day. So we, we rock off down there on our, our V twin Yamaha and. Um, We just had a discussion, and Cheryl's talked about the days when she would jump on the back of the boys' bikes and they'd go screaming off from Bondo Beach or or Manly Manly Beach. Beach. Sorry. God help us. Manly (laughs) Beach. And um, uh, we decided, I said to her, Well, would you like to start traveling on the bike? And she said, Yeah, why don't we do that? So I promptly went in and bought a a, a BMW K100, big tourer, big comfortable tourer which had a top box on it, which was big enough. And I'll go back to traveling solo with a couple of mates. The top box is big enough to put a bag of ice and a slab of cans in it. So <laughs> you can use it as an Esky when you get a <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Just
0: translating uh, for the North Americans, the slab of cans is a case of beer and the Esky is the cooler. <laughs>
3: I got it. Yeah, he exactly. said,
5: thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but, so we, we we toured on that, didn't we? But yeah, didn't, it
4: didn't take a lot of convincing.
5: No, no. And and from that time on, uh, that was it. And one of my dreams, my dream was to, to um, ride over to the Isle of Man or whatever. And that's, that was the, the genesis for our first overseas travel on a bike.
0: Now, Shirley, so you enjoyed traveling by bike. You, you were good with this. Like, Do you find the same things as what Michelle's talking about, sort of the, the two things really make for a different experience that's, that's better?
4: Um, they make for different experiences, definitely. Um, better, mm, I'm not sure. In some ways, yes, better. But um, in other ways, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. That's a really hard one, whether it makes it better. But I certainly enjoy it. And we've done plenty of things and been to plenty of places that we probably would never have done if we weren't on a bike. And you certainly meet a lot more interesting people when you're traveling on a bike. You don't pull into a petrol station and have people come up and go, mm, interesting, Holden, where have you come from? <laughs> Whereas if you're on a the bike, they always, oh, where have you been? Where are you going? You know, who are you? Um, so that aspect of motorcycle travel makes it far more interesting than traveling by by car or bus or
5: train or, I I often equate it to um, it's like a tribe, you know. uh, Motorcyclists usually wave at each other or they're friendly in in some way or form. Motorcycle travellers are a different breed again. They are a tribe all of their own. They um, sort of get it and um, but the Horizons Unlimited meetings, Grant, I used to say that, you know, welcome to your tribe. And that's what you we are really. It's a really different little pack of people.
1: How about you, Sam? Um, first of all, I think um, Brian just hit a nail on the head um, with the the tribe thoughts. Um, I really like that. I hadn't really thought about it. I'd always just thought it was a group of people that um, rode motorcycles and light travel that I felt particularly easy to bond and to enjoy the company was Um, a group of people that I never had to explain who I was or what my passions were. Everybody just instantly understood. And I, I really value that experience. Um, but going back to your question, um, traveler who rides a motorcycle. Um, I, I've been traveling since I was 10 years old and hitchhiked and hiked and bused and trained and sailed and bicycled and all of those sorts of things. And, um, yeah, um, Ted Simon said it um, looking for something new and that was literally how I I got into uh, travelling on a motorcycle Um, and I didn't do that until I was in my mid-30s and um, it took being thrown in jail, shot at a couple of times in the 17-bone fracture accident before I became an addict. And I've never really looked back <laughs> since. I've looked a few times. i get a real weird way of looking at things.
4: I've got to say, you it's so crazy. I was just going to say, Sam's first story, and it already involves broken bones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you know, if you look at the simple analogy of a stove, you touch it, it's hot, you touch it again, it's hot, then you stop touching it. But with Sam, he does the opposite. Like, he's like a moth drawn to a light. You can't get
1: enough. <laughs> Oh, I told you. I became addicted. Motorcycling is such an addictive thing, isn't it? I love the opportunities yeah, for I'm adventure true. that traveling on a motorcycle gives you that other forms of travel just don't offer. Um, it's it's the freedom, isn't it? The opportunity to stop, to take those side turnings. And and I, I just really love to ride. The sensation of being free when I'm traveling on a motorcycle is a sensation that I get in, in no other form of travel that I've I've tried so far I and mean, in the end it doesn't matter how you travel but it is that you travel that's the most important thing um but yeah motorcycles by best by a long chalk and that's why since the big trip I've never bothered to really particularly travel in any other way um
0: yeah happy happy addict but you describe yourself as a traveler who rides a motorcycle so that says to me that the motorcycle secondary but, but yet you're saying now you don't go anywhere without it
1: um well yeah i've I've learned, but I still um work on the premise that I'm a traveler first because all of the reasons for going traveling and the motorcycle is just simply a fantastic tool to be able to live all of those dreams and and make all of those ambitions come to life. Um, mm. travel just rocks doesn't it there's so many fantastic things about it um and if it's 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 like fixing something in your garage isn't it um you want this thing to work you want it to go um so what are you going to do you're going to reach for the best tool that you can to make that piece of machinery or whatever else it is um work again and, and work really well um and if you can smile while you're using that tool all the better still so that's everybody's
0: analogy. I picture you saying that you know, like if you're going for a hike somewhere, you put on your best hiking boots because you know you can do so much with them. That's sort of what the bike is for you then.
1: Yep.
4: But if you didn't sure. have the bike, you'd still want to travel.
1: Oh, without doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I would travel in whatever way um, I had the chance to do. One of my dreams, for example, is I I would love to um paddle a kayak around the coast of, of the two main New Zealand islands. Wow, I think that'd be an absolute buzz to do
0: with your motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> with motorcycle, no.
1: yes. <laughs> I've, I've seen what? that Russian chap do it, but uh, <laughs> no, no. I want to, I want I, I would do that as a separate thing, but I would kind of like to get to New Zealand on a motorcycle and travel uh, on from New Zealand on a motorcycle. But let's hear from
0: Grant on this, because then I got a question I want to put to everybody. Grant, where do you fit into this? That's a tough one, but. I I have to come down on the side with Brian that I started
2: out very much as a motorcyclist. I mean, I've been riding since my 16th birthday and rode for, I don't know, 18 years or something before we headed off on our around the world trip. But at the same time, to me, going for a ride wasn't just, let's go out for an hour and buzz around or go to the Starbucks. Of course, we didn't have Starbucks, but the equivalent in those days. Uh, I always wanted to go farther. And I wanted to see things and experience different locations. And a friend of mine that I've been riding with since I was 60 or so, he goes to the same place. He's got two rides that he does from Vancouver up towards Squamish. He does them three to five times a week for years. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've gone with him on a few of them. and I think I've done one of them about four times now. Oh, God, find me something else, anywhere else.
0: <laughs> is this a road
2: trip? No, no. It's Well, it's an hour's pavement and then dirt mm. heading into the mountains up uh, behind Squamish. Um, and, I mean, the, the dirt part is great. There's almost no traffic. Uh, it's a nice view, and you get to Indian Arm. It's It's really cool. Oh, my God, three to five times a week? Are you crazy? Well, yeah. Okay. He is a little bit, but anyway, we'll, we'll bypass that. But I can't stand that. I, I you know, some people watch a movie six or seven times. The con, the concept of watching a movie twice, even if the last time I saw it was 40 years ago. Nope. Seen that, done that. Give me something new. You've only uh,
0: been married once though. I have not. Oh. oh, here we go. Hey, did, I just, did I just touch on something? Did I just turn over a stone that we haven't looked under before? It's never been a secret. Well, I know, but I just, I never stumbled across. I just hit it with my foot. So exactly no, how many wives have you been through, Grant?
2: <laughs> I will not confess that you put it like that. No, technically, Susan's my second. Ah, technically. Technically. Jim. Hmm. Jim. Well, there's people in between, you know what's that Shirley?
4: Jim there is an expression never ask a question that you don't know the answer to
2: yes (laughs) that comes from being an experienced press person right?
6: (laughs)
1: correct centre Grant what you're trying to say is that you haven't watched The Sound of Music seven times are you kidding me? no once was enough I'm amazed I, I, I know very few people that haven't watched The Sound of Music at least seven times
0: uh, yeah, um, I, I have to nope. watch it seven times, that's for sure. I think I was oh, forced to I, watch it once. I, I lie.
2: I'm sorry. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I've seen it at least three times, maybe four. Excellent. Excellent. That's, that's an math. event. That's an event. That's not <laughs> it is. the same movie.
1: And I am just winding you up a little bit. But um, yeah, no, no. Three or four times on that, you're on.
5: Yep. I was just thinking what Grant associates with the Rocky Horror Show. Is is he frank or furter you or... Know? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think I will let that one pass.
2: <laughs> At least everybody knows what it is.
0: I actually haven't um, seen it. But yes, somewhat. back to
2: motorcyclist or traveler. I mean, we've done a lot of travel on the motorcycle. We've also done a lot of travel by jumping on an airplane and going somewhere. Like We've done a lot of dive trips to various parts of the world, particularly little islands in the Pacific and stuff like that. And, and, you know, taking a motorcycle for that's crazy, but you kind of miss it when you have to take a taxi and you want to just kind of wander around and see the rest of the island and you don't have your own vehicle. You don't have the motorcycle to get out and put around on. It's frustrating, but yeah, oh, that's, okay, that's you're true. still having a good trip and you're still having fun. I think the important thing is to travel, to see things, to learn about people and all the rest of it. But at the same time, when you get home or when you can travel on a motorcycle, to me, travel by motorcycle is the very best. There's there's no doubt. But as Brian said, sometimes in the deserts, I think it was Brian or Shirley said it, in the deserts of Australia, yep, I've done it on a motorcycle and I've done it on a four-wheel drive with air conditioning. Yes, the motorcycle is not the best choice.
5: Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I agree with you too, Grant. You know, when you, when you go somewhere overseas and you have the yearning, you've got to get on a bike. I mean, we hired this little thing on Santorini. Remember that, Sure, <laughs> We had this tiny little scooter and Santorini is quite steep. And, you, and I, I went down to the, the wharf area and this thing didn't have enough go to drag us both up the hill. So I sure had to, had to get off and walk, <laughs> <laughs> but still it had two wheels, you know, yes. <laughs> so then we, went, we went to the best restaurant in Santorini, which is in the middle of the, the of the Island. And you watch the sunset over there. And so we putted in on our, on our little step through and we parked amongst Porsches and Maseratis and Ferraris and all the rest of it. And, um, Cheryl hitched up a skirt, got on the bike, and we wandered, wandered off, didn't we, Cheryl? Yeah, it was it was different. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I get it,
4: you know? The- so, Shirley, it. would you have
0: rather been getting in the Maserati or getting on the scooter?
4: Oh, after dinner, probably the scooter. Um, I I will use the same expression I've used once before with you people. We were a little over <laughs> so refreshed. I love that. <laughs> so so okay. So for for
0: for Sam, Michelle, Shirley, um, I think you all said that you're, you're you're travelers first. When you when a travel opportunity comes up, or you think of travelling right now does it always have to be the motorcycle you think of or, or do you think of travel and then you think of, Hey, will I take the bike on that. You know, you know what I mean? Like that mindset of decision-making or do you not even entertain things that are, are not motorcycle related? Oh. Just calm down. Just calm yeah. down. Everybody. Just, <laughs> one at a time.
3: <laughs> I, I don't think I ever would pass up an opportunity to travel Anywhere, any way that I can. So I think my instinct is probably, yay, travel. Where am I going? And then second step is how am I getting there? And I think about the bike, if that's an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think travel is is most important to me. And I, I agree. I've used trains and um, boats and ferries and backpacking and all sorts of ways to get places. So I wouldn't miss a travel opportunity just because I couldn't have the bike.
0: And if you travel somewhere, Michelle, for work, let's just say for business stuff. Mm-hmm. when you when you plan your destination or you know you're going to your destination, do you think then about maybe you could rent a bike or something like that? Is there always that desperation to get on two wheels?
3: <laughs> it depends on where it where I'm going uh, for work or for travel, but yes, that's that's one of the first things that I wonder about. Um, yeah.
0: Shirley and Sam?
4: Um, yeah, um, certainly the travel would be the first option. I wouldn't stop doing, I wouldn't refuse a trip because it didn't have a motorcycle included. But we um, well, we go to the effort of shipping our bike across the world so we can travel on it. So certainly travelling on the bike is a priority. But um, we're planning a trip for if ever we can leave Australia again, um, <laughs> which will include part motorcycle right. and part uh, independent travel using public transport and things. So Mm. just because of time and getting from A to B and we want to do something in A and B and they're not next door to each other. So we, um, we look at the travel options and yeah, if we can incorporate the bike, most definitely we'll, we'll take the bike.
0: Sam, that's your cue, that little cap. <laughs> this is, that's your cue You need a buzzer? Yeah.
1: I'm, on, I'm on my best behavior tonight. I've decided that I'm not going to interrupt everybody like I have done the last couple of shows. So I'm leaving plenty of backspace and I've already failed three times tonight.
0: Hang on, hang on one second, hang on a second. Did anybody notice Sam interrupting anybody? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't noticed it, Sam. I think you just have to go back to normal.
1: <laughs> oh, all right, then I'll talk over with Um... I, Birgit and I have uh, flown to to various places and then rented motorcycles when we've got there or rented scooters. Vietnam's a perfect example of that. But sitting listening to what everybody was saying, um, it made me start thinking about uh, the trips that I've been doing in the United States. And there was one of the tours that I did in a rental car. And it was April and I was heading up into... Um, the northeast of the United States and it was pretty damp and pretty cold and there were a lot of the time I was very happy that I was in the car and I started to think about the logic of getting around on, on these trips And, you know, carrying boxes of books and pop-up banners and boxes of T-shirts and all of the rest of it. And I started thinking, well, you know, maybe you you should be getting a station wagon or a a panel van or something like that. And then you can sleep in the back of it and that'll help your funds and and so on. And I I think I thought about this for about three days and then thought, stuff it, I'm buying a bike.
0: (laughs) Why?
5: Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah.
0: No, but I'm curious. Like, what, what was the decision process here? You, you were, you, you felt something was missing.
5: Oh,
1: absolutely, without a doubt, um, the, the fun factor uh, was missing. And yes, of course, it would be an awful lot easier not to be messing around shipping boxes of books and, and sometimes not having enough of a particular title when I finished the presentation oh. because it's suddenly gone well or whatever else it may be. Because if I had a panel van, you know, so much easier. And, so much easier and yeah. it would save me a fortune sleeping in the back of it. Um, but the grin factor, where's the grin factor in that? It's just not there um, unless it's snowing and it's really cold and, um, wet and <laughs> slushy. And, yeah, but no, even then I think I would still rather ride a motorcycle and, and wrap up warm. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up buying a motorcycle and what a good decision that's been.
0: Well, it really helps you because of what you're doing. I mean, it sort of goes along with the whole, you know, persona of you're going there to talk about motorcycle travel and you show up in a, in a station wagon. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's okay. I don't think anybody would think anything of it, but it certainly adds to it. I'm sure that you thought about that, you showing up on your motorcycle.
1: I think that, uh, a lot of guys that I'm linking up with in the States, um, would just think, yeah, okay, that's a pretty sane thing to be doing if I turned up mm-hmm. in a panel van. Um when I had the, the rental car on that particular trip, nobody raised an eyebrow, or if they did they were very polite and did it discreetly behind my back. <laughs> um, but um yeah, there is something really nice about turning up on a motorcycle and there are one or two of the BMW dealerships, for example, where the guys have cleared a space for um lucky to be inside. And um oh, there was one dealership and, and they made up a special sign saying Sam's me- metal second girlfriend. Um, <laughs> little, little things like that that wouldn't have happened um, if I hadn't been on on a bike
0: lucky is your your f800 I gather
1: yeah that's right, um, right. All, all my all my um, vehicles have names um all my vehicles oh that sounds really funny I've got two <laughs> two motorcycles one here around one in the states
0: Sounds about two motorcycles, two vehicles, probably in what, last 30 years. <laughs> Do you this have any others? Have you ever bought any? This is the only
1: others? time in my life that I have had two vehicles at the same time. Huh?
5: Lucky. Why is it lucky? Because it hasn't fallen over yet? or? Well, I think it did before I even got out of the garage. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, not a story. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: she, she was just trying me out for size and just thought, oh. <laughs> What have I ended up with? This guy's completely fucking <laughs> And And I have mistreated her a couple of times and she has promptly thrown me on the deck. So um, I, I've learned a lesson. She's taught me well. Um, I haven't made the same mistake twice. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, lucky because I'm lucky to have it um, I'm lucky to be able to ride and do the things that I've been doing over in the States. And I'm lucky that I've got a, a bike that's in such good condition and makes me smile to ride. So there, there are a lot of luckies. Um, good things happen when I'm riding it too. So um, yeah, it was just a collection of reasons. Because yeah, I don't know, do you guys name your bikes? Um, nope. No. nope. No. They already have oh. a name. Mine has a name. <laughs> it's
0: printed right oh. on it.
3: Right. Mine. Um, My KLR is named Betty, but I didn't name her for maybe three or four years. Mm -hmm. And it was just because the song Black Betty being stuck in my head one day and it went on for like a week. And finally I thought, well, Betty's a nice name. I've always kind of wondered what her name was. So the bike is now Betty.
0: Every time I hear that song now, I think of your bike every single time (laughs) (laughs) it comes on the radio.
5: (laughs) Mine's called Big Red. and uh, It's a Big Red bike, but... There was a, um, a the wife of uh, the man that won the America's Cup yachting race. Her nickname was Big Red because she had uh, a lot of red hair and all the rest of it. So, Big Red it is, and that's stuck.
0: I- I'm not sure I see the connection there. Sorry, can you say that again?
1: What? Well. well <laughs> Try and send him a verbal slap. Yeah, but but
0: but Brian, you realize that Honda America- had a big red ATV. That was that was their, I think it was her ATV or maybe it was her ATC.
5: Uh, was yeah. well, Honda's, Honda's known as Big Red, but no no no. Big Red was um she was the wife of um the guy who won the America's Cup for Australia. There's never been out of America's hands. And um with the winged keel. And um uh, Big Red was she was a bit of a um a flamboyant character here in Australia, so I thought, yeah, a uh, um, big red motorbike. My dad loved red motor, red things all the time. So I thought, yep, that's it, big red. It is. Hmm. Does that make sense? No. no, no
1: I <laughs> Brian, I'd assumed it was something to do with big red kangaroos because you know you're out in the bush and you're covering lots of miles, and um, but so wow, completely wrong.
5: Yeah, well, the fact that the, fact a that a the bike is red doesn't really have anything to do with it. <laughs> Good point, Grant. Um, yeah, a little, but the, the main one was um, um, the, the 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 lady more than anything else, and but all my other bikes have wow, oh, gee, I don't know whether I name any of the others. Just be red.
0: Okay, enough of the naming of Brian's motorcycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> by contrast,
2: I've never named a motorcycle ever.
0: Never. Never um,
2: seen the point of it.
0: Grant, I was going to ask you, is when you see people coming to Horizons Unlimited meets, and Brian, and, and surely you can attest to this too, I'm sure as, as everyone can, um, or at least have some sort of something to reflect on this. Can you tell a diff- the difference between a person that is a traveler that rides a motorcycle or a motorcyclist that likes to travel with their bike? Mm, uh, That's a tough
5: yes. one. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go <laughs> ahead, Brian. Explain. Ahead. Oh, well... Well, I, I think you can because you see them come in and it's not all um, – uh, it, it's a well-used bike. It's uh, got bits and pieces hanging off it and you see them set up their camp and they've got everything – where uh, everything works. Bang, 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 everything works. And you'll see new people that come in with brand new stuff and they're, they're trying to uh, get to that point. Um, so I class them as, yeah, trying to be a travellers and then you see others come in – uh, we'll just come and have a look. Um, yeah, well, you know, I'm on the bike. And they, they aspire to it, but they're not quite sure. Does that make sense, Grant?
2: I hear what you're saying, but I see that more as the newbie versus the experienced. There's, there's a difference sure. there. So sure. you, you, could be, you could be a traveler who's been to 50 countries, just bought your first motorcycle, and it's brand new, and you got a bunch of new gear, but you have no clue how it works. And you're just trying True. to figure it all out. So, no,
5: that's right. And we've uh, all too great.
2: You know, we've all done that. Yeah, well, we've all been a beginner once upon a time. We've all been embarrassed at how dumb we are. That's okay. We all learn from everybody else. <laughs> it still happens. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Constantly learning. Figure the day I stopped learning is the day they put me in the ground. But we did a poll or somebody started. I can't even remember who it was that did it. Somebody did a poll on the hub. Uh, are you more a biker or a traveler? And we have statistics. Oh, interesting. So let's hear them. The biker choice was 20%. Traveler on a bike, 37%. Four wheel driver, 36%. And traveler in a car,
0: 7%. Wow. Mm. That is interesting. That's Mm. way more 4x4 than I thought. Well, we have a lot of 4x4s on the hub. They're not as
2: big on posting as the motorcyclists are. But it's there's a lot of readers of those sections. So, but anyway, so there you are. So, yeah, the numbers were almost identical for the traveler on a bike and the four-wheel driver, which is basically the equivalent thing. Um, but I thought it was very interesting that the bulk of them, double the number of bikers is travelers. Hmm. Yeah. So on HU, it's mostly travelers who happen to ride a bike.
0: See, I, I would think that the the traveler, the, somebody who's just a traveler, and, and maybe maybe they're only casually looking at bikes, but I mean, the traveler is sort of obsessed with traveling and going, and probably is what I had in my mind, wouldn't care if there was a bike there or not. Oh, if a bike's there, that's great, but yeah, you know, I, I can take any other method, you know, no, if, if that was what, the case. What
2: happens, what I see happening, and I've heard a million times, is some backpacker is slogging his way along in, in town. And somebody goes by on a motorcycle with a load of luggage. Who's clearly a traveler. And they think, oh, God, that would be so much nicer.
0: <laughs> right. Because what does the bike do for you, right? I mean, that, that is the main thing, isn't it? It's it's. it's I, I, I see it as, t- as a couple of things. I guess one mobility, you can go when and where you want. And the mm-hmm. other one would be the um, the, uh, the meeting of people, you know, having people walk up to you and, and ask where you're from, et cetera.
2: Yeah. People are really kind of bored with backpackers, but motorcycles are still on the rare side compared to everything else. So yeah, you you meet people a lot more. I'm always reminded of the time we were in Africa. We stopped at this little tiny village. There was a, I would have to call it a lemonade stand, like we had, you know, when you set up for five cent lemonade when you were a kid. Um, there was this guy there, and he had half a dozen soft drink bottles sitting on top of a plank, and that was his stand. And uh, we pulled up and. People started gathering around. We bought a drink and it was warm Coke, which is ghastly stuff, but hey, it was wet. Um, And we were giving him some money. So that was all cool. And people talked to us and then a four-wheel drive pulled up and parked on the other side of the street and everybody just turned their heads, looked at it, and then were back to us talking to us. Completely ignored the other people. Not interesting at all. So that was a really cool experience. You you, You get to be the star of the moment and you get to actually talk to people and find out what they're interested in and what they're doing. You know, it's, it's really quite cool. I love that aspect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it might not be a good travel mode for someone who's introverted. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> I'm just thinking. That's an interesting point. Hmm. Uh, I
2: think you Chris can just world? ignore people too, if you want.
3: Yeah. 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 Motorcycles are definitely conversation starters. And I think that's the fun part of not having a car wrapped around you or a cage, as some people say, when you pull up to a gas station and people, there's nothing, you don't have to roll down the window. You're, you're there. You shut the engine off or the motor off and people are talking to you right away. Where'd you come from? Where are you headed? Um, you know, what kind of bike is that? And they want to hear stories and start conversations. So it's definitely a conversation starter.
0: Yeah, that can that can get to you after a while, though, can it? I I think you have that in one of your books, Sam. I think. Am I wrong here? Did Did you find that um, it was overwhelming at times? Sometimes, especially having to repeat your story.
1: No, that's that's never really bothered me. Um, I did write about other travelers that I met that it bothered. Um, India for example, classic example I saw um, overlanders on motorcycles getting really racked off with being asked, oh mister where are you coming from what is your education, are you married how many children are you having, where are you going and all of this sort of stuff but I always used to think well look if somebody's brave enough to come and ask a complete stranger those questions then I just have to have the courtesy to answer the questions and hopefully when they've run out of steam then that's going to give me the chance to ask them questions so it's a reciprocal thing but I only ever saw it really happening to people who travel with motorcycles. I would backpacked a six month trip in, in India. Never had the same sort of thing at all. Nothing bike to the same extent. Um it's yeah, it's 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 nice. It's it's an icebreaker. You end up meeting kindred spirits, don't you? Um when you're on, on a motorcycle.
4: In yeah. in India Sam, people didn't people wanted to know where we were from, where we were going. And as soon as we said we were Australian, initially they would tell us that they'd beaten us in the cricket which they had the uh, the previous. And then they wanted to know if we knew Ricky Ponting, who was the captain of the Australian side at the time. And when we said no, they lost interest in it, in us immediately.
1: Interesting.
0: So um, let's just take a quick break. We're, We're going to take a break here and thank our sponsor. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about personal hygiene on the road. So, stick around with us and take a, just a, a quick second here and thank freshtracks.co.uk, who sponsors Raw for us. FreshTracks has been around since the 90s. They work with companies uh, and groups to inspire, motivate, challenge, build communication skills through team building exercises. And they work with uh, a lot of big companies like Mars and Pfizer, Yahoo, uh, Comic Relief. Um, etc. So to have a look at what they've got, if you've got a company and uh, you are looking to build your team or uh, coagulate your team, maybe, freshtracks.co.uk is the company you should be looking at. And of course, tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Okay, so um, for our part two, personal hygiene on the road. I sort of want to do it in a somewhat organized fashion, if, if we possibly can, if we can actually do this. So let's start off with the body, okay? And then we'll move into clothes and, and the bike, et cetera, as far as keeping clean. Does somebody want to kick this off with um, with some of the, the most obvious things about um, uh, personal hygiene on the road? Um, have
2: a shower once a week at least, whether you need it or not. Good tip,
0: Grant. Once a week. <laughs> no, and you may as well, if you're not used to it once a week, just break out and do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Somebody else, maybe. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: What do you really have, Grant? What do I really think? Have
5: a shower yeah, once yeah, what a week. Really really <laughs> 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 okay,
2: back, back to Australia. <laughs> <That's then. right. laughs> I find, one of the things I find that's, Perhaps interesting, perhaps kind of obvious to everybody. If you're traveling as a solo male, your frequency of showering will be different from if you're traveling as a couple. Is that kind of obvious?
1: <laughs> no, not at all, Grant. If you're a solo <laughs> male, you're usually after a girl, aren't you? So you're definitely going to be showering at least twice a week.
5: <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I hadn't thought of that aspect. <laughs> We have met people with um, a BO problem, um, usually solo male travelers, I've got to say. Mm.
4: Um, we but- went one who had a, a grey t shirt that we worked out was actually probably white at one stage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the great thing about white, is it just changes colour as you go along and it's still good.
4: Yep. But I reckon if it stood it up in the corner of the room and whistled, it would have jumped into the washing machine on its own volition.
5: Uh, and, and, and there's uh, Linda Blick who um, travelled through Africa years ago. Linda's well into her uh, 70s now, I think, and um, she tells a wonderful story at one of the Horizons Unlimited about having this one T-shirt and she'd broken her bike, a bike had broken down in the middle of Africa. And she'd worn this T-shirt so much that she had to turn it around and wear it uh, backwards because... Um, her front uh, had worn out the the t shirt at the front and you could see through it, so she had to turn it around. Does that make sense for a girl? Yeah,
6: <laughs>
0: yes. We've had Linda on the show a couple of times. I never heard this story before.
5: Well, yeah, I've heard her say that and a rises unlimited meaning. Go a lot of that Linda's quite something. She's she's so
2: tiny and yet. The thing she yeah. does. she just gets out and goes. And she's five what? Five
0: foot nothing.
5: Five foot feisty, nothing. Yeah. Feisty.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, feisty lady. So, so I think we've we've sort of established here that the bo thing is a problem. The question is, what do we do about it? Other than just shower once a week? I mean, what what are ways of of of, um, of keeping clean aside from? I mean, I think the shower is obvious. But we're looking for alternatives here.
1: Spend an Mm -hmm. absolute fortune on deodorant. I mean, listen, uh, uh, if we take our skin off, it's about, for the average person, it's about two metres square. That's a hell of a lot of deodorant money.
4: (laughs) 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 Sam, this is going to come as a really big shock to you, but deodorant doesn't keep you clean anywhere other than... Under your
0: arms, and it doesn't really? keep your underarms clean. It just masks the smell. So now you have a, like that that stinky body odor mixed with some sort of weird perfume. Exactly. You mean these,
1: these ones Sorry. that I've been hunting out with a narrow roll on to use between my toes doesn't oh. work. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: <Wow>. <laughs>
4: Take it back from wherever it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So shower alternatives. There's no shower. You're not, you don't have a whole bunch of deodorant like Sam does. Yeah.
3: Michelle? I've traveled and um kind of kept to a rule when I travel that I like to go get a hot shower and and actually I should say cold shower, because most of the time they're just cold showers when you're anywhere else in the world other than your own home country and, and first world countries. So um, I do, I take what I call a bird bath and a bird bath for me is wet wipes. Um, so you're just kind of uh, biding some time, so to speak. But I like to think that I could get a shower. I'll camp. My unwritten rule is I camp for two to three nights and then I I would like to be in a hostel some place where I can get a shower. If I can take a swim or do something else to um, kind of extend that, then that may be uh, an option. But Bird baths are kind of uh, the way that you bide yourself a little bit of time. And yes, deo- deodorant definitely helps.
0: <laughs> I love the bird bath. That's great. I mean, I mean, what the, the name for it. I think that's great. Yep. I love it too. <laughs> I mean, we do the mm-hmm.
4: same thing. I haven't things, heard that expression, a, but
0: yeah. yeah. But often we haven't had wet
2: wipes. Um, so we just have a cloth, you know, like, right. I know, like you call the face cloth and just use that A bit of water, a little bit of soap, quick wipe and... Not yeah, it doesn't do take much water
0: with that. You can do that with a no. water bottle. You're Very of yes. Yeah. Right.
1: Here's it's, it's, it's a thought for you. I mean, we're all fans of, of Kit having two uses, aren't we? One one of my favorite two uses is, and no wisecracks about me having a sock fetish. I have calmed down as I've got older. Um, but I like to travel with um, terry tailing socks. I just find them incredibly comfortable. And um, if you need a flannel, well, you've got a clean sock, haven't you? Just use that.
5: <laughs> oh, that's, that's an English fashion statement that's just screaming, uh, I don't know what.
1: Listen, I'm not talking white terry-toweling socks. I am talking <laughs> black terry-toweling socks. I travel on the safe side, you know. Black
0: socks. I think that's even the same as white socks, isn't it?
1: Hey, listen, sandals just don't look right unless you've got black socks. <laughs> yes, that makes
5: sense. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Now, listen, one of the most important things about keeping clean is the fact that you're getting rid of salt and you're getting rid of dead skin as well. And people don't think about those two things. But those two things are what very, very often cause significant health problems when you're traveling. Um, you've got to wash because if you don't, you you pick up all sorts of funguses and, and this sort of stuff. I mean, here's just some of them. Thrush, cystitis, athlete's foot, tinea, um, ringworm, jock itch, body lice, hepatitis A, heat rash, all of those sorts of things can you can pick up very, very easily, purely and simply because you're not washing properly and, and frequently enough. Why and would you is want do no that?
4: Ex- There's no excuse to be dirty on the road. Just because no. you're traveling doesn't mean you can just forget to do all the things you would normally do at home.
5: And thanks for that, Dr. C. Mm. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially you when you're in that? the tropics. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the oh, things yeah, you yeah. can get in the tropics. Adult diaper rash is real. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the oh, thing yeah. is,
1: we, we <laughs> found it easier to keep clean in the tropics um, because there were more opportunities for people traveling on a tight budget than it was for us when we were traveling in better off countries. Because in better off countries, um, unless you had the, the money for hotels and motels and things like that, for your wild camping a lot, there isn't the same sort of opportunity. But around the world, there are fantastic um, washing opportunities. I mean, in Asia... The Mandis. And everybody says, you what? but Amandi, I mean, you guys are all are going to come across these. It's basically a, a concrete open top cistern in a bathroom, and you scoop the water out from it. Um, mm-hmm. You don't climb in. I actually listened. I was I was sitting in um, um, the bar attached to one of the backpackers that I was staying in, and there were a couple of um, young young guys talking, and he said, "Yeah, once I lowered myself in, it wasn't too cold. It was quite refreshing, Aww. actually. I couldn't <laughs> see a hot tap that went with it, so but I didn't Not see really. a drain either. So I just hope the expert." Is there's a local, they'll know how to drain it. You're just thinking, nah, Hang on a minute. Everybody is scooping out of that and washing in what you've just left there.
2: Yeah, They don't drain it.
1: Oh, well. But I mean, in Africa, for example, when we were traveling, we were quite often staying in um, villages or in, in cheap um, motels and places like that. And they would give you a large washing up bowl, um, a bucket, and, you, and, a, and a mug, a plastic mug, and you would literally just stand in the washing up bowl and you would scoop the water over the top of you and wash yourself down. And it's incredible how clean you can get with just a bucket of water.
2: Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take yeah. a lot. You just have to be not lazy. And I think that's where yeah. a lot of guys get into it, yeah. Uh, yeah. this not washing thing. They're just too lazy to do it because they well, don't it is think a it pain in the
0: butt. But it is a pain in the butt, isn't it? I mean and you sure. get especially if you're camping somewhere and you get up, the, the whole ritual of having to go through and wash, it is a pain. It takes time. Whereas you throw your your riding clothes back on and you think that, well, nobody can smell it. It's only, you know, when I move my arms so I get a, a puff of it <laughs> <laughs> rush up by my neck and, and you think you can get away with it. But I mean, like BO is one of those things that everybody knows is a huge turn off. And it's one of the things that you seem to pick up on very quickly with people. You don't mm-hmm. have to be all that close. In particular, if you're having to go through border crossings or, or meet other people, um, obviously something that, that we, we we need to stay on top of. But it doesn't take all that much. If you really look at, it. I know we we're saying it's a hassle, like especially if you're camping. But it doesn't take all that much to do the methods. These the bird bath with the the wipes or the bird bath with a, um, a face cloth, rag, old sock, t-shirt, whatever you've got. Uh, you know, you
1: can do a full on wash with that. Not on Vancouver Island in December, Jim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Okay. You might want to heat your water first.
1: Uh, Birgit well. made me sleep with my feet outside the tent one night.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just the next about, day, she um, made me wash in the river. Um, and that river, I tell you what, there were icebergs floating past. I was not impressed, but she was impressed with me afterwards
0: it probably wouldn't have been much different if it was summertime in that river, the river that you were watching, it'd still be cold. But, um, obviously you let your feet go too far at that point.
1: Oh, I did. Yeah. We'd, we'd had a whole series of days of, of just long, hard riding days. And because it was cold, um, we were literally climbing off the bikes, making something to eat once we put the tents up and climbing in the tent into a sleeping bag. Um, and that was the only way to stay warm. Um, so, uh, yeah, after a few days, um, with my feet inside my boots. And the, that was actually something else that I wasn't used to. For the first time, I'd got some Gore-Tex um, motorcycle boots. And for some reason, my feet seemed to get hummier inside Gore-Tex motorcycle boots than they had done in any other form of boot.
0: <laughs> hmm, same socks and everything? I mean, every, everything else is all the same? Yeah, exactly. yeah huh. depends but,
2: on how waterproof your former boots were. If the bo- former boots weren't very waterproof, then the Gore-Tex boots would breathe less.
1: Um, My my leather boots used to give my feet a shower every day.
2: Right. There's your difference. The (laughs) Gore-Tex boots are more waterproof, less breathing, so you got more sweat and it doesn't go anywhere and it gets worse. Yes, absolutely. The big thing
0: with those Gore-Tex boots, do they have liners that you could pull out?
1: No. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah, exactly. Listen, just before we move on from this, a top tip um, that I – really like the idea of is that we're always looking for ways to carry water when we're on bikes. And yes, we can use bottles and things like that, but um, um, a a bladder is a fantastic thing. And Ortlieb do one where for a couple of pounds extra, you can put a nozzle on it. And um, it's basically like a shower rose. Um, You can hang one of those up. And I've got several friends who travel with those. They're are dark in colour, either dark blue or black, and they strap those to the top of their luggage at the back um, while they're riding during the day. They heat up very nicely um, and then they just hang them up um, and they have a shower. There's only about, about two litres in there, but um, with uh, the pace of the water comes out, you can have a very comfortable shower in two litres. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Hey, Australians call them there. solar showers. You- Solar
1: Shining showers, grime, yeah, yeah, that's the sort of thing. Cool and
4: yeah. you take, they're a great thing when you're going camping in the outback to to have a hot shower yes. at the end of the day. Yes. It's just a quick tub, but enough to get rid of the, yes. the grime and the smells.
0: Yeah, the one Sam's talking about is much more durable. The solar showers tend to be those plastic things that, that will break easily. They don't last very long. But um, the, the bag that Sam's talking about is uh, got a Cordura sort of cover, I think, Sam?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that one.
1: What but were you saying, Michelle?
3: Isn't it too, one, because it's a dark color, couldn't you strap it onto the top of your bike so it's catching sun and warming yeah. up during the day? Yeah,
1: yeah that's okay. exactly what you do.
3: Yeah, perfect. Yeah,
1: the, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I carry a collapsible sink. So for my bird baths, I should say, when I say wet wipes, I actually carry a, a small, it's not terry, but it's a small washcloth. And then I have a quick dry kind of a travel towel. It's really lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a collapsible, I think it's a Sea to Summit collapsible sink, um, and it packs really tight it I think it holds something like five liters and then I can carry that I use that for so many things for washing up dishes doing laundry in it um, all sorts of things with just a a little um, sink full of water you can do a lot.
1: So if Michelle ever invites you around for dinner just be aware the the, the first <laughs> she food in, she, she
6: washed
3: the feeding. That's
0: right. I thought the same thing, but I just I wasn't gonna jump on that. I thought I'll just nope. leave yeah. it. Hey, as
3: long as I'm not entertaining people and I'm eating out of those dishes myself, that's my own business.
0: And <laughs> besides, you, you can wash it. You know, it's it's fine to wash. Yeah. Ortley makes uh makes nice bags like that as well. I mean there's there's a bunch they of different do kinds of ones out there the uh one of the things that i find um for shorter duration if it's a a real hot day and stuff uh, put a wet cloth in a plastic bag then you can pull it out it's wet you whip it around it cools down you can wipe your face down and stuff that's always a a nice thing to to use your your washcloth for Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah that's good
2: a question i had once at a meeting was uh how do you carry shampoo You mean, how do you carry shampoo? Well, you know, you you buy the big bottle at the store and it's it's an awful lot of stuff to carry, um, to carry through Africa. I said, we use bar shampoo. You can get small bar shampoos that are, you know, the size of a regular bar of soap or even smaller. And those things last
0: forever. It's just amazing. And I still use the same bar shampoo. It works great. The thing is, us guys can get away with that. I mean, I'll use soap literally to wash my hair. It doesn't I don't care. But women don't want to do that, or somebody oh, yeah. with long hair like if Sam. Bar shampoo, absolutely. Susan yeah. uses it too, and she's yeah. fine with
3: it. Yeah, bar shampoo can be really good, and it it works fine as long as I have conditioner too for my long hair. Especially when I'm riding, um, you know, I, hair is something I have to be thinking of, keeping it in a braid or keeping it tucked out of the wind. So uh, everything serves double duty on the bike. I usually will carry um, cooking oil, like olive oil. And I will put maybe just a coin size amount of oil in my hair after, when it's wet after a shower. And that kind of helps as a conditioner or moisturizer and keeps from getting tangles um, in my hair. So I'm fine with bar show, but I don't usually use bar shampoo. Um, I carry the liquid, but either way, whatever shampoo I use, I use just a little bit of oil afterwards for that conditioner effect.
0: That's a nice tip. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that obviously makes your hair soft and it's
3: that's yeah. fine. Yeah, it wow. works really well.
1: Yeah, I do the same, Michelle. It, it's um, why spend the money on expensive conditioner when you've got something like that that's got the double value. I did try the, the bar soap, but I found that it made my hair, uh, my scalp really dry. So I stopped using it.
0: That's what I've heard with it is it makes your skin dried out and you even your get hair the good too. Stuff because the
2: stuff but I've used, I got from is um, it a body shop.
0: Oh, the yeah, high end good. stuff.
2: Yeah, the oh. high, it's high end stuff. You know, it's not yeah. cheap, but it's it's really good.
0: You won't get that on the road though. Well, one bar will last you for Africa. Oh, I see. But one thing that we do, I
1: mean, somebody mentioned earlier on about the size of um, the shampoo containers and so on. Um, Birgit and I, will—we we have small bottles. And when we're in a backpacker's hostel somewhere, we'll ask anybody if they want to sell some of their shampoo. Um, or if there's somebody saying oh I'm gonna go and get some shampoo well let's go parts of it and we'll we'll buy some of your shampoo from me so we're always just using um, small bottles of shampoo. Why carry around a big bottle? Oh yeah I
5: mm.
3: get it. yeah I do the same yeah,
5: and, yeah the... Not, not a problem I don't don't bother <laughs> <laughs> Brian,
1: I'm beginning to get to the same way I don't I won't bother
5: <laughs> I have actually managed to go
1: for a couple of months without washing my hair. Um, and for the first week or so, it was, um, absolutely comfortable. Second week, it itched, itched like crazy. And then I realized that actually it, it wasn't, um, the grease or anything else that naturally accumulates with hair. It was the dirt that I wasn't washing out. And as soon as I started rinsing my hair every, every other day, um, then it was absolutely fine. And I didn't use shampoo for a couple of months.
0: I was wondering if it was the salt or the dead skin.
1: It's a combination of all the dirt, the salt, the dead skin, um, just mm-hmm. rinse your hair. You don't necessarily need to use shampoo, but not everybody is the same. And it's like when you're traveling around the world and you're doing, um, you're in different um, climatic conditions and the the water type may be different, et cetera, then um, your hair can need different things.
0: Now, you've seen on shampoo bottles, I think we've probably all seen, has everyone seen that it says rinse and repeat? Like it says, you know, lather it up, rinse and repeat.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, good way to sell you more. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a
0: marketing thing that they came up with. And I I heard a thing, there's a guy named Terry O'Reilly who does a wonderful podcast on advertising. And uh, on that, he talked about shampoos and he said that they were looking to sell more shampoo and they just came up with that simple line and it did tremendous things for their volume. Yet there's so many people who think you've got to rinse and repeat. When in fact, from from what I understand from pe- most people who who try this going long periods like Sam did without washing his hair, is that um, you almost don't need the soap in your hair, that the soap is really washing out your natural oils, which you end up having to try and replace.
3: Yeah, I think that's true. I, I think for me too, I use a much smaller amount of shampoo after having traveled. And maybe that's just, you know, I, I use that in daily life even when I'm not on the road, um, but it came from being a motorcycle traveler and having to really budget and use tiny, tiny little amounts of shampoo. Mm-hmm. It takes so much less than you think that it does to clean your hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Michelle, you mentioned about uh, adult diaper rash. So yeah. do, you have, do, you, do you have any tips um, for dealing with rashes or chafing, which I mean, that's something that is very common.
3: Um, Yeah, no, I, I, from personal experience, I think in Costa Rica or Panama, I was having an issue with having brought the wrong um, kind of underwear, as it turned out. And the elastic in them was just, as you're riding and sweating each day, the elastic band was just irritating my skin. So I was having, it was getting to the point that I had an allergic reaction or something. So I actually had to um, buy some different underwear that were a different fiber and I wound up buying some that were made of a bamboo material. So they're a little more, um, capable of being washed and drying out each day and they dry more quickly. So, uh, be conscious maybe of the fibers and materials that your, your, uh, clothing are made of.
0: That makes you think about the idea of trying something new on the trip. That's probably not the time to do it. Do you stick right. to the stuff that you know.
6: Sure. Well, and, and that's sure. what I did.
3: I took I took clothing articles from home that I'd traveled all the way through what I thought were hot areas, but there was a difference between traveling desert and traveling really intense tropical humidity. Oh, and see. it was the humidity mm-hmm. that made the difference for me. Yep. Oh, so right, the heat yes. wasn't the issue. Mm.
5: Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: No, it's a real issue. And once people start getting... um Um, a rash in the area of the groin it's actually quite difficult to get rid of Um, there are various potions and lotions that you can use but I've I've traveled with some people who have just been so sore they can hardly walk Um, and then it's literally a case of getting baby lotion with a, a high zinc content but they were guys so I didn't offer to rub it in (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah that it is a tough one to deal with feet as well right a- anywhere you get any sort of chafing you get that, that's always difficult to deal with because you keep doing the same thing usually that caused it so to try and deal with it um while you're riding or while you're still doing whatever it is that's it's, it's difficult
3: yeah i was traveling with a um not with i should say but traveling through central america and met up with a swiss couple And, um, we had a discussion around the campfire as you do one night talking about all of your aches and pains and and whatever's going on uh, in your world that day or that part of your trip. And we were talking about foot issues. And, um, one of the Swiss travelers, a woman had worked in a hospital and she was saying that, smelly feet and, and issues with, you know, just again, humidity and your feet aren't getting enough time to dry out during the day. So as soon as you get to camp, take your boots off, take your socks off. I travel with a pair of flip-flops and get right into my flip-flops so that my feet get dried out. And she said, um, to take, if you can find, um, some of the alcohol wipes, the little individual wipes, or buy a small bottle of alcohol. And if you can take a cloth and really intensely clean out under your toenails, between your toes, you know, really give your feet a solid alcohol rubbing twice a day, morning and night for 10 days, it will get rid of the bacteria that's causing all of that foot odor and smell. And that really seemed seemed to help. I've passed that tip on to a few travelers on the road. And then of course, you have to be conscious of your socks because the socks are carrying that same bacteria um, and it's going to go right back into your feet. So you need to maybe find some new socks and swap those out.
0: Wow, that's interesting that it takes that long to get
5: rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, That's, that's a good one. Sam, take note. (laughs) <laughs> I've, 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 I've been scribbling like
1: mad, I had to mute yeah. so that he wouldn't hear me scribbling
2: <laughs> Well I think the, the tip about replacing socks is a really good idea too because even the hottest wash uh, may not get it You know, replacing them is probably the safest way to go
1: I agree with you, I mean one of, one of the things that we do if we've got cotton clothing, um, we fairly regularly boil um, the clothes, give them a really good blasting and then make sure that they thoroughly dry out because cotton's an absolute sod for picking up and, and retaining. And this is one, one of the reasons why so many more people will travel with um, man-made fibers now because they've got that good um, in comparison to cotton. And they, yeah. they dry that much faster. So, you know, you're, you're not putting already damp clothes on and you're not, um, they the moisture evaporates from them that much faster. So you're not spending hours walking around in in soggy T-shirts, which is just basically breathing um, Yeah, sure.
2: I've washed the T-shirt and then just put it straight on. It's a bit damp, but it's a bit kind of a warm day. So it's fine. It actually yeah. feels nice. And then 10 minutes later, it's dry
0: yeah with technical fabric you can't I mean, do
2: that yeah. yeah with a good technical synthetic uh, material like all our yeah. t-shirts that we do at horizons meetings are fabulous traveling shirts because we've specifically chosen a material that is durable and is is really good that way it dries really fast and it's not um you know, anti anti-bug anti-fungal etc material so yeah it makes a
0: huge difference and i wouldn't wear anything else now did you guys get that sales pitch in there <laughs> it was
5: good. Did I do that? That was, that was so, so smooth.
0: A good I almost didn't catch it. Oh, I, I just noticed that, so I was going to back it up
5: because they're the first things I pack all the time, Grant, those, sh- those t-shirts because they, they dry so quickly.
0: Ah, oh, now we have the testimonial. <laughs> 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 okay, so how does one get a Horizons Unlimited t-shirt?
2: <laughs> you have to go to an event. We don't even uh, stop them at the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Our warehouse, which is... Well, Let's see. It's a three-foot shelf in a closet. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't even have any, have any here. So you do have to go to an event. But no, I, I mean, I'm frustrated when I go to an event and they sell, oh, event T-shirts. Yeah, and and I know that I can buy those T-shirts for five bucks and they're junk cotton and they're going to wear out in six months and garbage. Um, so we specifically went for really good ones because I mean, why would you want to buy or have a junk T-shirt? You know, I've mm-hmm. got T-shirts that I've worn that are 10 years old and they're still good.
0: Well, it's usually just a, a keepsake, isn't it, an event? But obviously you're making yeah. yours, so but they're, you they're want actually to be able good for it. something. Yeah,
5: yeah, that's a good yes. idea. It's not much it's of a keepsake just, if you uh, just put it in a closet. That's yeah. true. Just get back on the, uh, keeping clothes clean and stuff like that. I, I, when I do a ride, to this day, I just came back from doing a two-day ride. The first thing I do is I take my boots off, take um, my riding pants off, turn them inside out and just hang them out in the sun.
6: Yep. Yes, and,
5: um, that's the first thing you do uh, after every ride is just do that, and that seems to keep everything pretty fresh and um and clean between washes. So you know, just for a short time, just turn them inside out and leave them in the sun. Yep. What, what about your boots, Brian? Do
0: you, do you have have you found anything that when you're wearing the boots day after day after day, have you found any way to deal with them that that makes it
5: easy? Uh, well, just putting them out in the sun. I, I normally stop. And as soon as, as soon as I get off the bike, I'm like um, Michelle said, I carry a pair of flip-flops or thongs as we call them here and um, straight off, bang, out of the out of the riding gear, turn it inside out, leave it out to air and uh, into the um, thongs and the shorts and, you um, know, a fresh T-shirt, wash the other one, leave it hanging over uh, the bike or whatever. I've got a mate that we travelled around Australia with who what he does is he uses a, an old hockey strap hangs it over the back of his bike and hangs his washing on it. So his jocks, his T-shirt are, are, are flapping in the breeze as you ride along. And um, that's all very good, although he's, um, his underwear was hanging over the um, exhaust pipe there at one stage. whoops <laughs> 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 some unusual stage. <laughs> no. It's quite a sight when you go past the car and they're all looking at his underwear, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about your comment of uh, make sure you turn it inside out and you know let it dry in the sun. I'll give you a reverse example of what not to do. Susan and I were doing uh, coming up from the bottom of South America and dealing with um, El Nino, and everything was wet. You know, massive floods. and I was literally the human dipstick trying to find out whether I could actually walk or ride through this puddle or stretch of road that was mostly missing, whatever. And my leathers, it was just as the days of leathers, and the leathers were wet. We finally got to a hotel in Lima. I can't even remember what town it was. Somewhere in there. Um, pulled in. We're, we had to send Susan on. Um, on an airplane to back to Canada because she had a contract that we were already late for, you know, so she had to get on the plane. So we put our leathers in the closet, got everything organized, got everything sorted, um, and then it was my turn to get back on the bike and go. Pulled my leathers out, went to put them on, and there was a bit of an odor, but not bad. Yeah. And then I felt inside, and there was a quarter of an inch of fuzz
5: oh, yeah. yes.
2: inside of my leathers. <laughs> Yep. And I'm checking out in 20 minutes. Uh, oh, God. Don't do that. Hang them out in the sun, turn them inside yeah. out, whatever. Don't leave them in a the closet to dry, especially in the so tropics.
0: So what'd you do oh, in that sorry. case? Just turn them inside out and say they're fuzzy pants? <laughs> no, I
2: couldn't do that. I, I turned them inside
0: out and scraped them
2: off as best I could. Put them on and wore them.
5: Oh, God, the grossest, disgusting thing I've ever had uh, to do. I help, I help a friendship motorcycles around the world and um, we'll pack a bike in um, Felixstowe in England into a container. We'll have 20 bikes and all the, all the gear and all that sort of stuff. And some guys pack panniers with clothing. And when you unload them at the other end, yeah. they are a biohazard. <laughs> And a a serious, ser- seriously, in Australia, um, we've got to go through um, a, a quarantine inspection. Mm-hmm. They come along and they will confiscate or they will burn it and you'll be paying for it. Um, so, you know, just do not pack wet clothing into a pannier and leave it. So, you should talk six weeks six, or more.
0: So they I refuse just, entry of this stuff, be, not because it, it's, it's – because really, I know you've talked before about the dirt coming into Australia and the bikes being they, dirty, but that's, that's grown from within and they'll still –
5: if they'll find it, and obviously there's a problem with it, uh, you'll be paying for fumigation costs and all that sort of stuff.
2: Wow. And losing well, gear. Growing from it's growing from another continent. So, yeah, hey, exactly.
1: Yeah. That that's that's way. It, um, it happened to a friend of mine, and he, and he ended up having to have his panniers in quarantine for six weeks, and he had to yep. pay for that. Yep. Wow. It's yep. yep. yeah, right. not
2: cheap either. Uh, they don't mess around. Uh, no, no.
1: Just, just going back to flip-flops or thongs um, for a minute, I think that they are one of the most important things that any motorcycle traveller should be packing for all of the reasons that we've just been talking about, but also because um, when you're travelling in developing world countries or first world countries, going into showers that multiple other people have been using. Um, You don't want to be walking around barefoot in those. That's where you pick up verrucas and all of that sort of stuff, all sorts of fungus um, from wet shower rooms, floors. And I know know so many people that don't bother to to wear flip-flops in the showers. And you meet up with them a month later and their feet are falling to pieces. They're literally chunks of skin falling off because they've picked up some sort of Lurgy and you just think, oh, for goodness sake, wear flip-flops off the bike all the time. Well, perhaps not in bed.
5: Spot on, Sam, but I'm so impressed with your knowledge of the diseases of the feet. (laughs) (laughs) It does make you wonder, doesn't it?
1: I can can talk
5: about (laughs) um, the
1: diseases of the groin more if you wish me to try. (laughs) No, no, Sam, that's good. You've done a great job so far. (laughs) In the United States, they do a really good cream. It's called Butt Wipe. Excellent.
3: No, it's butt um, uh, paste. It's called Boudreaux's butt paste.
5: That's
3: one. <laughs> it's amazing.
5: Uh, I don't want to know Michelle. So, I hate you, <laughs> so what, what do you it's do actually, with Boudreaux's butt paste?
3: It's actually used for children for diaper rash. So I, I'm I'm joking about it. But do, I've heard of travelers picking it up from overseas and I've using it that. on adults. And I had not even heard of that. I used it on my nephew changing his diaper when he was a month old, but that's how I know the name. When I've you say it, using
0: it, it on adults, really well. you make it sound like it's being applied to somebody. I mean, sure, they're doing it themselves.
1: <laughs> okay, you're right. <laughs> you would hope. No, no kinky conversation here, please. <laughs> Listen, if anybody is traveling and they end up with um, some form of crotch watch, look for something that has got a high zinc content because it is that that cools and helps to heal. That and washing every day. Yeah. Anyway, our Dr. Sam has spoken.
0: And yeah. <laughs> Does anyone carry um, a drain stopper, you know, for washing in the sink?
1: Sock in no. the plastic bag. Sock. Yeah. It's it's a nice. sock yeah, that. the sock is for Jim.
0: Well, also the other
2: thing about it is unless somebody has really thoroughly cleaned that sink, I just assume not have much to do with the water that's collected in that sink, which is mm. probably not very clean. So I just let it flow. <laughs>
1: so we used to use, um, uh, you know, travel um plugs but the trouble is plugs are different shapes and sizes all over the place inevitably mm-hmm. we'd be lugging this thing around and we'd arrive at a camping site or somewhere blooming thing didn't fit again so that was why we just ended up with um, a sock and a plastic bag and stuff it in the hole
0: right i was thinking those those sort of universal ones that had the big flat thing on it but yeah you're probably right it's, like, yeah. it's so many different versions of uh, of drains even
2: the big flat ones don't always work because they, mm. the hole can be too close to the back of it. So the, it doesn't work on the curve and oh, all that true. kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, I gave right. up on them for, for that partly for that reason, partly because every time I did want to use it and it did work, I looked at the sink and said, you know, I don't think I want to collect any water in here. Unless <laughs> maybe I'm washing something off the bike. I might
0: do it in there, but otherwise, no. You can always wash it first. Yeah, well, you,
6: can.
1: you can. How about teeth? Does anybody brush their teeth? All the, yes. all the time
6: all
1: the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> normally normally use my toothbrush for cleaning my chain nowadays
0: <laughs>
6: well uh, it
1: should
0: be double duty and i agree with that yeah. um, you should be using your toothbrush for something else but any tips for keeping teeth mouth clean and that that's another that's another thing like bo isn't it it's a type of thing that can quickly end a conversation with someone the the whole bad breath thing
4: yeah. but it's not just ending a conversation with someone jim just because you're travelling on a motorbike doesn't mean you let everything go to hell in a handbasket and come home with your teeth rotting in your head because you haven't brushed your teeth.
0: Yeah, well, I was kidding. I mean, I would hope everybody brushes their teeth.
4: Well, I don't know. But yeah, I would certainly hope so. Toothbrush doesn't take up much space in a a mouthful of water out of your drinking bottle.
3: Mm -hmm. You're not going to die of dehydration the next day. And you can buy them everywhere. You'll find toothbrushes and toothpaste in every country in some little shop or tienda on the corner. So they're... And and it's the same with shampoo shampoo
4: and soap. Everyone around the world washes. Yeah. And it might not be the same sort of soap we use at home or the same sort of shampoo and all those bar shampoos that Grant was talking about. You might not be able to get those, but you'll be able to get something which will do the job. Yes.
2: Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They start getting this stuck in this idea that their thing is the perfect thing, therefore that's what they have to use. Now, like yeah. People do the same thing with tires. I want a pair of X, Y, Zs, and, well, sorry, we don't have any, but we've got this. Well, that's no good. Well, yeah, it is. It'll do fine. You, you have to learn to be flexible and um, adapt to whatever is available, adapt to local customs, and just generally be flexible all over.
0: You know, and what Shirley was saying about, you know, just because you're on a bike trip, you don't have to let everything go. I mean, I think some people do have that that thought process that because they're camping or whatever, they're not going to wash because it's the camping look, etc. We used to see people come into the town that was closest to us. And it's a, out of the way, it's, it's a cottage town is what it is. And people will come from the city, sort of dressed grungy-like. it. And it's like, we always thought that they're doing it because they want to fit in, but the thing is, we wash. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. everybody, doesn't matter where you are, you wash the, the yeah. grunge thing, you know. So it, it doesn't go along with motorcycling to be that dirty, rough-looking person on the motorcycle. How about shaving? Does um, does anyone give up on shaving yep. while they're riding? Totally. I haven't shaved in, I can't remember how long.
2: Let me see. One Let one it grow time. wild? Well, I do. A, I do a trim. Yeah, keep a, it so trim you're, you're still short. keeping neat. Yeah, absolutely. Letting it go and just be long and messy, it, it's it's not fun.
5: It's annoying. I I use a, um, a little electric razor um, because uh, I've got a friend who said you know sometimes you, if you get a nick when you're shaving with a, a safety razor, uh, it um, uh, the water could be contaminated or whatever. You're better off just um, using a a little um, electric razor, which has got, it runs on two AA batteries.
4: Which you can Mm. buy anywhere.
5: And uh, I've had it for years and years and years, and I haven't seen anything better. And it's fine for traveling. But, you know, I just have a little scrape on either side and let the chin grow because that's a nice protection when it's nice and cold. The goatee beard. Yeah, man. That's better.
0: Ladies, um, do you shave your legs, and do you still shave them when you're traveling?
3: No. It depends. It, if So if I'm in a cl- cold climate and I'm going to be traveling where I'm not going near a beach or something like that, I'll actually not shave my legs for a bit. It keeps me a little bit warmer. Um, but that takes a while. It takes a few weeks to get to that point. Um, Just buy a pair of long johns, Michelle. There you go. That's right. I carry that. That's I still want the extra layer. <laughs>
1: I'm just always entertained by the porcupine look.
3: Yeah,
1: you know the the, the hairy legs with the, the sticking out through the long johns. Oh yeah, no. I
0: think you mainly get that if you actually shave your legs, because then it sort of like it pokes through easier, you know. But yes. if it's just if you if you always have hairy legs, then it just sort of folds down. I don't want to do this.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to do it either. Thank you,
0: Shirley. (laughs) Thank you for putting an end to that. How about dishes? Uh, Does anyone have any tips for, for dealing with dishes and dirty dishes if you're camping and eating and making your own food?
3: Wash them. (laughs) Yeah,
0: <laughs> Good. No, if you have one, just call it out, <laughs> Michelle. That's great. I,
3: um, I carry dish soap uh, usually. And again, I, I buy that in countries. You can usually find just a small bottle of some sort of liquid dish soap. And that's what I use for my laundry and my dishes. I'll use it for cleaning the bike, um, all sorts of stuff. And again, that collapsible sink that I love and use for everything. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: We always carry it too because if you don't clean your dishes properly, then you've got a chance of, you know, something festering and, and making you sick. And what's the point? You're out there to travel and have fun, not make yourself ill. Um, we, we also use washing up liquid because not only for that, but also it's very handy for putting tires back on.
6: Yeah. That
0: well, yeah, Absolutely. W sister. I'm glad you said it about the, the, the dishes, everybody, because um, I think some people, I've seen people who just wipe their their dishes out. They think, uh, again, no. I'm just camping and they're wiping it out. But I mean, you're bound to get sick doing that.
2: Yeah, you got to do a thorough wash for sure. I mean, looking after your health, to me, is the most important thing on the whole trip. As soon as you're not healthy, it's not fun. So if okay. you want to have fun, stay healthy and washing, keeping things clean, washing your dishes thoroughly with water that's safe that you know is safe not just out of the stream or whatever you got to do that you got to be careful yeah.
4: and that's what all about clean clothes as well and mm-hmm. you know clean socks and yeah because once you get sick it's a it ruins your holiday oh, it yeah. ruins your trip it's, you can it's be nothing sick for nothing yeah. 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 Well, yeah I've been going sick
6: for three weeks
2: for three weeks straight and um, where was I, Tunisia Man, that is just miserable. You know, you're supposed to be there for a vacation, but you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, and you just don't feel good. And it, it, it's just hard all around. And it's expensive to be sitting in a hotel for three weeks, too.
6: It's not fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to a
2: little bit, you know, 10 minutes a day to keep you and your stuff that's important clean could save you weeks in a hotel stuck sick, sick of a dog. So it's worth it. And Absolutely.
5: Water out of the, water, water, out of a stream. I, uh, the shell was um, we, we, we crossed some little river some time ago now, and uh, it was a beautiful looking little stream. She took a sip of water out of this stream, oh, and within sick for three days, within hours, yeah. it was. Oh, I've got to find a toilet. Oh, I'm really crook. Oh, Ooh. and it, it was crook for three days, were not you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't know what it could be. A dead cow in the stream upstairs, you know, yeah. upstairs,
1: and human beings kind of been there. I'm afraid we um, do things by the side of streams that we really shouldn't be doing and that just makes the mess for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. Michelle, yeah. do you have something?
3: No, I was just going to say it's never any fun to try and find a doctor and make time in your schedule and deal with language barriers when you're sick in a foreign country. So yeah. the, as you have all said and pointed out really very rightly, the things that you can do to prevent getting sick can make all the difference in your trip.
0: Yeah. Does anyone exercise?
2: A certain amount, yeah. We try and make sure we at least go for a walk. Um, I'll do a few, you know, a bit of yoga, stretching, loosening up before I get on the bike on a regular basis. Um, Nothing really serious. It just takes, it's too much effort. You know, if I'm staying in a hotel and I can have a shower after a good workout, yep, I'll do a good workout. You know, just body weight stuff. And that really helps. Makes me feel better. If I don't do it, I start to feel bleh, pretty quickly. So it helps, but it's hard to do.
5: Yeah, it depends where you are. Sometimes it's just bike fit. You know, I, I find um, if, if you do a big day on the bike, and your head, it, it, your neck might ache for a while. You mightn't be holding your arms quite right. You mightn't have the right bend in your arms, things like that. But after it after a while, you get bike fit, and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, but I'm like you, Grant, and we'll go for a walk, or uh, you start exploring, and I find I usually lose weight when we're on a big trip anyway, because we just—that's just the way we, we're living. You just yeah, you're just active all right. the time, aren't you? Yep, constantly. Yeah. On the yeah. go instead of around yeah, right watching go. TV. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's exactly right.
3: Yeah, and I do the same thing, maybe a bit of stretching, especially in the mornings and the evenings. So if I'm getting on the bike for the day, I'll do some head and neck stretches and a bit of yoga in the tent before I even come out of the tent in case there's mozzies or bugs around, Um, Mm -hmm. but just get some good stretching for your back, legs, everything. But I find in particular me, I have an issue with my neck bothering me and I wear a helmet with a bit of a peak on the front of it. And if you're in kind of windy conditions, you you get that bobblehead thing going on um, that can be kind of hard on your neck and your upper shoulders. So it's really good to do some stretching for all of that. Mm -hmm.
1: I've got some dodgy discs in my lower back and um, I have to do exercises every morning. And um, it's always quite entertaining if there's a picnic bench, then I'll get my, my sleeping mat up on the picnic bench and do my exercises up there. I've had a crowd before cheering me on. I thought about putting thought about putting a cap down once.
2: <laughs> Why not? Cool. People always ask how do you how do you finance this traveling? Well, there you go.
1: <laughs> Some <of> the
2: demonstrations,
1: <laughs> exercise you were, way around the world.
2: <laughs> yeah. These days you could do it on YouTube. Think of all the wonderful backgrounds you could have for yoga classes.
3: Yeah.
0: Now, um, to wrap this piece up, what about? Toilets. What kind of toilets could you expect to find? Ooh. Can I just say something, Jim? Yeah, sure.
4: How long have we been doing this show now? Uh,
0: f- uh, four or five years.
4: And it has taken you four or five years to get up the courage <laughs> to let us talk about <laughs> toilets.
2: I think we've had a comment or two along the way.
0: <laughs> well, it's a trust issue, Shirley. It's just a
4: trust issue. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I, I want to go first. Don't know, don't
0: know, don't know. <laughs> it's really his favorite it's topic to here. Let's go.
4: Toilets for so long. I want to do my worst toilet and my best toilet. Mm. Worst toilet has to be the really um, down market petrol stops on the Trans-Siberian Highway. They are the grossest toilets Ever. Just even even Brian balked at the at the condition of these toilets, and the best toilets you will find anywhere is Japan where mm. they have heated seats and music and they flush themselves and it's just a real serene experience to use wow, a toilet. Surely I like you to in
1: your voice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but surely you, you said about the Trans-Siberian toilets being the worst. Can you describe that? That just well, doesn't say anything, holes, just say the worst. There are holes
4: in the ground which are fine. Drop toilets are fine. But there are holes in the ground that a lot of people don't actually make the hole in the ground and mm-hmm. um even have a door yeah so, the first one we saw a, a little minibus full of uh, business people pulled up in this petrol station and um the only thing they sell is petrol and that's sold to you by a woman who lives in a box, who's one of, they are the unhappiest people you will ever meet in the world, the women working in those petrol stations. And a woman got out of the little minibus in a really nice business suit with a pair of high-heeled shoes on, walked into this toilet and came out wiping the side of her shoes on the side of the the um, the path, trying to get off her shoes clearly what had been around this toilet. And she was looking a very strange colour. You see, I,
0: I don't get the hole in the floor thing because the whole idea of the seat is kind of like it's kind of like the space shuttle, you know, going up the dock. It, it it tells you you're in the correct position. That's the reason that the hole ends up getting so much debris.
1: Oh, it's a very <laughs> way of putting that in. I'm that. sorry. Remember that debris? <laughs> 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 well, that <didn't. laughs> now you know why they called the crappers.
0: Uh, yeah, Okay, yeah. so we're, gonna, we're going down this road now. So yeah, I a a group, <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, my old knees my old just can't take that crouching tiger position for too long, I've got to say.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. And you don't want to lean against the wall in those places, do
5: you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't want to touch it. Oh.
0: <laughs> so uh, let, let's get into how we deal with it. How, what, what kind of things have you guys come up with? What's in your own toilet kit? What's your method?
4: Uh,
5: Always take carry your paper. own toilet paper. Always carry hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah hand hand yeah. Sanitized, toilet
4: paper, and um, if you're out in the bush, a piece of
5: rope. No one's
4: going to understand. To tie you know,
5: between uh, two trees. Yeah, yeah. no. you use a piece of rope to um, tie, tie to a branch or something, and lean back. Just hold it with one hand and lean back it's a very easy way to um, go oh,
0: to the that's, toilet that's a recipe for disaster there's a <laughs> stance you can you can well, do just by crouching down you balance yourself and if you have any slope on the ground at all you put the slope behind you so you're looking downhill that's the balanced position to be in and and put your heels right over the hole that should that should position you just about right <laughs> the, the, the thing you is, Brian. practice <laughs> <laughs> holding this rope. It's just like if anything goes wrong, one slip, and
1: well, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the rope terrifies
2: me.
1: But this is why you always carry a spare guy line in your pocket, or one of the reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you guys all seen um, *Slumdog Millionaire* the movie? Oh yeah, 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 oh, did yeah. Did quite a while ago. Is, Isn't that an amazing um, movie? Yeah. Uh, but India, for me, for a long time, had the worst toilets. And, I mean, what Shirley and Brian had just been talking about and not being able to aim very well and um, collections of um, debris, Jim, along the sides of the toilet <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. And when we were in India, we stayed in quite a lot of riverside hotels and things like that because it was always interesting being next door to a river, so much going on. And then you realise that um, uh, people's... Um, excess material and was just going straight down into the river where the kids Uh were swimming uh, and and all of this stuff but the trains were the worst because with the rocking motion um, yeah I I don't know what the percentage is I didn't like to think about it too much um, but wasn't very high percentage of aim on target (laughs) (laughs) but I, I I was thinking about India and so on and you know it's a long time since we've been to India and when we were in India, it was the, the, the figure was something like 20% of the population had access to a toilet. Yeah. Think uh, about this, 20% yeah. of the population. Well, I, I just had um, a little bit of a look up. In 2014, under 40% of the country's population had access to a household toilet. As of October last year, India now is statistically is... Um, free of open defecation with 110 million toilets built in five years. Isn't that yeah. quite an incredible achievement? Um, yeah. India yeah. is now the, the world's second most populated country and it's set in uh, by 2030, uh, 2030 to be bigger than China population-wise. So they've had to get a blooming fast act on with this. And anybody that's traveled in India will just be so much aware of someone needing to go to the toilet and they're just squatting by, pulling the, the, the robes up or tucking the trousers yeah. up around the knees and, and going. Whatever they are, just no, no real embarrassment. But such illness in that country as a result of this. But what an achievement. 110 million toilets built yeah. in five years. That's brilliant. <clears throat> so with all yeah. those
0: toilets uh, being built, Sam, that must kind of ruin another aspect of adventure for you in India.
1: <laughs> I, my, I have more adventures because I'm not going to be sick. Actually, the only place that I got really sick um, on, on the big trip was in India, um, and I ended up catching Jardia. Um, but my sick bed was in um, Pokhara, and my view from my sick bed was Annapurna. And I've never had such a, an excellent sickbed view as that before.
5: I was sick in Pokhara as well. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it's, uh, it's a
1: dodgy place, isn't it? Birgit said that it was just that I wanted to get out of hiking around Annapurna, but
5: uh, <laughs> I still You know, I got sick. You know, they wash... Um, I was uh, eating salads and things like that, and they wash mm. salads in in dirty water. Yeah. They say treat it with iodine or whatever it is. I can't remember, but... They should say... Uh, they also say don't, don't eat the salads. Just don't eat salads. Yeah. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can... Yeah, that's right. Um, but a, a, one, a trip for travellers in uh, those sorts of countries is, you know, we're used to using toilet paper and putting the toilet paper in the toilet. And if there's a bucket beside it for toilet paper, use it. Yeah. Because their, their um, uh, sewage pipe systems are a lot smaller and they clog up very easily. And they hate Westerners using bucket loads of toilet paper and then flushing it because the first thing it does is just clog up the toilet yeah. systems. So wherever you see uh, a a, um, a little um, um, bucket or whatever beside the toilet, use it for the toilet paper. Good man.
2: Seems really Doesn't gross it? to us, but yeah, you gotta.
5: Yeah. That's right. Yeah, put those Western ideas behind you and just do it.
3: The hard part is when you come home from traveling and doing that for a long time, and at home you start putting your used toilet <laughs> tissue in the bin next to uh, it. At home.
4: Yeah.
6: <laughs> yes, spot on. I think
4: the best thing about coming home is you realise that you can flush the toilet paper. Yes. And mm. drink the water that comes out of the tap, and it's like woohoo, delirious. I'm just.
2: Yeah, okay.
3: I it's agree. Yes.
2: It makes us appreciate where we came from, where Absolutely. we were born. And yeah. we can not do anything to get that, but we need to appreciate how lucky we are. Yeah, no
4: speaking there. of India in the days before um, the, the toilet um, situation that it is now, we were staying at the Taj Mahal Hotel in Mumbai. We stayed there by accident, but it was really nice. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're near the gateway of India. It's a very wealthy area. And around the corner is a cardboard city where hundreds of thousands of people live in in a shanty town. And we were on the bike coming around the corner past the beautiful old railway station there, and a woman came out of the cardboard city dressed in the most beautiful sari. It was so vibrant in colour. And she went to the side of the road and lifted up her sari and used the drain at uh, the gutter mm-hmm. as her toilet. And mm-hmm. I thought, what deprivation of spirit! You know, around the corner you've got the wealthiest Indian staying in the most exquisite hotel, and there's this woman, and that's how she lived.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. On a more cheerful wow. note, I was—I was a movie star in the Taj Mahal Hotel.
2: Were well, you? Yeah. I was. Yeah.
1: Actually, I wasn't. I'm, I'm just bragging here because I wasn't. I was very second rate. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time and she um blonde curly hair and she was invited by one of the movies um, movie companies there um, to, to act part. And um, I went along with her agent. It was great. We earned about 600 rupees, which was a fortune to a couple of budget backpackers.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were the handbag?
1: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyone else have anything to add for uh, for keeping uh, clean or personal hygiene on the road? Any tips that you're holding back
5: on? No, oh, I, think so I think we all covered it pretty well.
2: Actually,
5: mm-hmm. okay. I think I
4: think the one thing, thing I'd say, Gosh, you-, you should stay clean on the road. Yep. There's Let's no reason yeah. not to. There is no good reason not to, and plenty of reasons why it's important. To you, stay clean, eat good food, keep your gear clean, and then you'll have a much better trip.
1: Too right. Eat well, sleep well, stay clean, and you can cope with just about every unexpected eventuality or opportunity that gets in your way. Um, yeah. If you're feeling grungy and worn down by it and just messy, then uh, you're not mentally alert. At the same time.
3: Yeah, I agreed.
0: Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll move into plugs here and I'm going to start with Michelle. What do you have for a plug?
3: Um, oh gosh, well, I'm involved with, um, a partnership with a couple of other women for Rev Sisters and we have launched our film festival series for this year. We're going to do three film festivals in, um, May, August, and November this year and, um, so check out RevSisters.com for information on when they're coming up. If you have a film that you'd like to submit, or if you just want to watch, uh, be an attendee and see a collection of films, we'd love to have you uh, tag along.
0: And how does that work, Michelle? Is that online?
3: It's online. So our, when we launched them last year, the original plan was to have live events and we have one on the West coast of the U S one in the central U.S. where I'm at in the Black Hills of South Dakota.
0: And the rest is Excuse online.
3: And, yeah, and so we oh, we moved them online because of COVID last year. Uh, but this year we decided since we're not out of the woods yet, we're going to leave those online, which is fun because people can tune in internationally then.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes a, a lot bigger audience, doesn't it? Yeah. And you guys had loads of films last year. I mean, for the first one you did, there was a lot of films.
3: There were a lot of films. We've kind of dialed it back a little bit, Um, but I think we're averaging around eight to 10 hours of films that you get to watch in a weekend and that's free. So all you have to do is register and get then the uh, password, the access, the link will be sent to you when the film festival goes live, but they are free film festivals for the first weekend. And if for some reason that weekend isn't enough viewing time then you can buy and pay for an extended viewing pass and have up to two weeks to watch those films
0: very nice and what's the website
3: it is revsisters.com rev like you rev your motorcycle
0: right and we'll have that link in the show notes as well sam what do you have
1: Can I just jump in here? Um, I've been completely privileged to be invited to be one of the judges for two of the festivals, and I am absolutely gobsmacked by the quality and mix of movies. Um, Judging was really, really difficult because these movies are such fantastic things, amazingly diverse. I learned about things to do with motorcycling that I had no idea even existed. Um, So I absolutely highly recommend that everybody for the next Rev Sisters film festival um get stuck in with this you you will have hours of brilliant entertainment. Oh
0: very nice.
3: Okay. Thank you, Sam. And thanks very much for being a judge. Jim, we've uh, we've asked you two too. So thank you so much, both yeah. of you, for your help.
0: Mm. Shirley, what do you oh, have no. for a plug?
3: I don't. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> you don't you don't you don't have anything.
4: I don't have a plug. Are, are no. your guests up yet? <laughs> uh one is um, oh, very the other one is still snoozing.
0: Yeah. Did you give him
5: give him toast and some vegemite?
4: <laughs> no, we're going out to brunch.
5: Oh, right. So you hold it up. His birthday goes on and on and on. Right. It's it's Shirley's
0: birth year. Right.
5: Okay. So Brian, what do you so- have? Um, on on the 6th of March this year, uh, there's a movie called Stone, a, a replay of the movie Stone, which is an iconic Australian motorcycling movie which was first screened in the 1970s, so I think about 72, 73. Um, it was produced by a fellow by the name of Sandy Harbutt who um, recently passed away. And they're doing a recreation of or, or rerun of the movie at a local driving theatre at a place called Dubbo in New South Wales. Now, this movie is pretty iconic. They actually used um, the Hells Angels in one of the fight scenes because they had no bloody budget when they made this movie, and it's about um, a group of guys, misfits, that have come back from the Vietnam War and um, being targeted by someone killing them off. Anyway, it's it's an old classic movie, very dated, but I remember going and watching it, uh, with my mates as a young fella, r- riding our motorcycles into the local drive-in, laying back on a, a sleeping bag and watching the movie. And they're going to do it again on the 6th of March at Dubbo. Now, when that, they, had a, um, a of, um, they had a a rerun of, they had a scene where a, a funeral procession uh, in the, the movie, and they decided to do a rerun of that um, uh, in Sydney. 35,000 motorcyclers turned up wow. to do a ride up a freeway from uh, Sydney to Gosford. And, um, Sandy, as I said, Sandy Harbutt passed away, so um, uh, a gang have got together to try and um, to do it again at, um, at Dubbo. So that's on the 6th of March. Shirley's not going.
4: No, I'm not going. <laughs> but can I just say that Brian always thought I was pretty special, but when he found out... I knew the guy who plays Dr. Death in Stone
6: <laughs> and <laughs> the same actor
4: played Night Rider in Mad Max. Mad Max, Mad Max I have Max. gone up in Brian's estimation. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all who you know.
5: Good on you. So if, any, if, if anyone wants to get out there, um, the tickets are online and, and the, the drive-in will be for motorcyclists only, no cars, um, you go on to www.123ticks.com.au, the Sandy Harbutt Memorial Screening of Stone.
4: And you it's can called- see there's a documentary called Forever Stone on YouTube, it's which it's I presume money. is international, and that shows you clips from the movie and how they made the movie with um, the stunt riders and most of whom weren't actually stunt riders. They were just men who fall off motorbikes. So that's <laughs> good. Good it's good fun. That's
0: everybody.
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And Brian, you're going to send those links to me and we'll put
5: them in the show notes. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. Sam, you could have a starring role falling off a motorbike.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just tell them I've experienced. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, what do you have for plugs? Um, I have some thank yous. Um, I have to say, um, this started off because this week I've been getting um, the royalty figures in for book sales over Christmas. And I'm just completely humbled. and I know that a lot of Adventure Rider Radio Raw listeners have been buying books um, because I've been getting messages from you guys saying that you're doing it. And I just want to say thank you very much. Um Times have been tight without being able to do presentations and book signings in a face-to-face, but um, you guys buying books online um, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and the book depository, um, sending the books out right the way through all the coronavirus period and all of that sort of stuff has just been amazing. So I, I just want to say thank you very much um, to everybody who's ordered copies and T-shirts too. Um, I know that some of the T-shirts took quite a long time um, to get to people, um, it, again because of the coronavirus. But um, yeah, so thank you very much, um, and also thank you very much for all of the thumbs up on Facebook and Instagram and so on about RAW. Um, we've been getting some great feedback from you guys. So cheers! It's um, it's really nice that you're you're following along and listening in. Nice one.
0: And if you've already bought Sam's books to help out further, you've got T-shirts. I just looked at them today. I've yeah, I cool did. Cool-looking T-shirts. I know I made fun of you for them before, but they're very cool-looking. Thank you very much. Um, I only made fun of you because you spent so much time picking the material. You know that.
1: Yeah, I know you did. You've just got a rotten sense of humor, Jim. Yeah, Wind-up uh, merchant. <laughs> <laughs> <the laughs> you're you're forgiven because you got the word in for me then. <laughs> Do you have something
0: else on there, Sam, that you no, had in your mind?
1: It, it was yeah. just a genuine thank you um, because I have been very humbled um, and I'm feeling, yeah, very smiley at the moment.
0: Well, that is great to hear. Honestly, that is really good to hear uh, in this time. Grant, what do you have?
2: Not uh, an awful lot of tremendous excitement, uh, but however, we are cautiously optimistic that we will have a few events this year. Uh, We've got uh, France is happening. Uh, We've got Romania and a few others. So go to the website, check out horizonsunlimited.com slash events. And see what is coming, what we're hoping to have. All dates, of course, are subject to change. But uh, we also have an updates list. If you go to that horizonslimited.com slash events, you'll see, click a link and you can be put on the updates list for any events that are in your area. And we will let you know what the status is, when we're opening registration, if we're opening registration or if we're changing things.
0: So oh, that's pretty good. So do that. you have to go to your area to put your name in or do you just put your name in general and pick your area?
2: Pick your area. Pick which event oh. you're interested in. If you're interested in two or three, you can, of course, sign up for two or three. But what we don't want is to have um, oh. events, 20 events on or information on 20 events going out to everybody because right. you don't care about Romania if you're not even going to be in Europe. So we're specific oh. to the event. Nice. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention um, go to if, if you're still in lockdown, and I know lots of people still are and can't go anywhere. I was just talking to somebody who said, I haven't been out of the house in three weeks. Mm, yeah. Okay. I get that. Go to Vimeo.com slash Horizons Unlimited and check out the Achievable Dream and start planning, figuring out what you need to know so that you can get out there and travel the world when it's available. We hope that will be soon.
0: Well, that is great. And the other thing I was going to mention, I was just thinking while you are talking there, because we talked about things that you can do while you can't travel maybe internationally, maybe you just can travel around your, your own area, but you can certainly plan. And um, the, the hub, Horizons Unlimited, it never stops with even with COVID. So you can go on there and you've got tons of information on there to help people plan and figure out what they want to do when things finally open up.
2: Yeah, and there's, there's many adventures or micro-adventures as we call it. Uh, get out and check out your gear go and do little trips, set up camp somewhere. It doesn't even have to be very far. I mean, there's there's a campsite, um, what is it, about 45 minutes from here. You're out in the woods. You're beside the river. There's no facilities, nothing. Okay, set up camp. Check out your gear. Make sure you got it all figured out. Figure out what you don't use on a weekend camping trip, and maybe you can decide to not take some of that stuff that you thought was so important. That isn't. You know, just work through so that when it's time to go, you are prepared. Uh, I'm always reminded, uh, Doug Watke is an American from Alabama, and he was heading off around the world on his was a rigid-framed Harley hand shift. He was heading around the world, and he loaded it up for the first time 20 minutes before he left. He got about 10 miles down the road. A friend of mine was ride with him. He said, hang on a minute. You've got to take some stuff back for me. I can't take all this stuff. The bike just handles terrible. Yep. Make mm-hmm. sure you're not Doug. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow, I'm sure he's going to be pleased to hear that story. Oh,
2: I know he is. But <laughs> Doug's a big guy. I like Doug. <laughs> and he's done some amazing trips. I mean, who would want to ride a rigid frame hand shift Harley around the world and then for a follow-up do it on an Indian? I mean, yeah. give, him, give the man a lot of credit. <laughs> and sure.
1: Doug is one of those people that will bend over backwards to help other people. The amount of information I've seen um, flowing out from Doug to, to people who are asking questions and so on. Very knowledgeable guy.
2: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Check out his uh, Moto Sapiens in, uh, oh my God, I can't even remember, Bulgaria. He's got a uh, motorcycle campsite in Bulgaria that's worth checking out as well. And we'll put the website on the show notes.
0: Sure. And that's right down from, um, from Graham.
2: Yeah. Just yeah, down the
0: road, yeah,
2: yeah, beautiful place. It's talking. got a really nice setup there, and they've grown it and improved it. They've done they do horizons meetings, little tiny mini meetings there every year. It's a great place, lots of fun.
0: Well, that wraps it up. Thank you very much, everyone. I really appreciate everyone's time, and it was great to sit down and talk with you all.
1: Yeah, it's been fun likewise and As I tell always. you I, I have been so restrained some of the tips that I <laughs> wanted to give they would definitely have gone into your delete box Jim
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well good job Sam Everybody knows why you need to collect carrier bags when you've got the shits, don't you? No. (laughs) No, why? What are you doing? Well, you've got to have something to put over your feet so that you can guard against the splatter. (laughs) See, I told you I would be restrained.
5: And that's why Sam knows all about um, feet hygiene.
0: Well, that wraps things up for this month's ARR Raw. And thank you to my co-host, Sam Manicom, starting with Sam Manicom. He lives in the UK. He's got four books and audiobooks that follow his eight-year motorcycle journey around the world. His website, sam-manicom.com. Shirley Hardy Ricks and Brian Ricks are from Australia. They also publish their own books on motorcycle travel. You can buy them wherever you get eBooks at their website, aussiesoverland.com.au. And, of course, Grant Johnson is from Horizons Unlimited, which is the hub literally for our adventure motorcycling community. Horizons Unlimited has tons of up-to-date travel information as well as a huge forum of dedicated travelers that connect you with other travelers. They also put on the Hub Meets around the world. You can see a worldwide list of Hub Meets at their website, horizonsunlimited.com. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time. Drop by our website. You can also look at the show notes. I have some more information in here. You can make comments on the show notes. Adventureriderradio.com.